The man or woman you're with right now. How well can you say you know them? What is their current stance on marriage? Do they want kids? What kind of relationship do they have with their parents? Where do they see themselves three, five, ten years from now? Are you a part of the future that they envision for themselves? Have you asked your partner these questions? Have you asked yourself these questions? What are your intentions? What are your plans? What do you want? It's 2020. And we find ourselves having the same conversations and debates about some of the same shit we were in 2010. Somebody out there still watering the same dead ass relationship which has been suffocating them for the last four years. Somebody else out there still trying to fill in the hole that's in their heart by going through person after person hoping to find happiness in everyone else but themselves. We're still arguing about who should come first in a man's life. Hey, real quick. I'm not sure if y'all know this, but so long as you and the person you're dating, talking to, or entangled with aren't married and bound together by legal contract and vows, you can just leave. You know that, right? No explanation necessary. You can literally just walk away and cut ties with that person if you deem it necessary. That's one of our problems. We don't know when to let go. We don't know how to quit. We don't know how to date. But I mean, who taught us how to do so, though? Properly. What examples do we have? Check me out, y'all. You should not be exclusive to anyone who is not exclusive to you. Exclusive dating is only for those who are in agreement that they are planning to be engaged and be married for the rest of their lives. And even then, until you've been pronounced husband and wife, you still have ample opportunity to walk away. And I say that because nobody wants to spend the rest of their life in misery, regret, and with someone they don't truly love. Imagine the problems that can and will arise from that equation. My people, ladies and gentlemen, dating is a practice for learning oneself. Don't worry, I'm going to say it again. Dating is a practice for learning oneself. Learning how to love oneself. Through your relationship with other people, you learn many things from your likes and dislikes, your love language, languages, triggers, expectations. Each new relationship shows you something new, the things you want and don't want, tolerables and intolerables. Now, a lot of times, these days, down there all the time, when a relationship ends, people get heartbroken because of one simple reason. We've invested too much, too soon. That's why it's important that you know what your intentions are and what your partner's intentions are. True intentions. If you're bored and just want some occasional company, let it be known. Just want a physical connection, let it be known. You want to build a family, get married, and have kids. Let that shit be known, and then act accordingly. See me? I date to marry. I know what I want. I want a wife. I want loads of kids. I want a big family. And since I've been aware of this since after high school, since before high school, I've only had three girlfriends or women I chose to see exclusively. See, I don't believe in wasting other people's time, and I damn sure, I damn sure don't believe in wasting mine. Therefore, I am extremely selective and cautious in my, in my selections. <laughs> Look, the keys to saving yourself from unnecessary heartache and pain is proper communication and learning to date casually. And before y'all start trying to be on all that bullshit, casual dating does not have to involve sex. It actually prefers that you abstain as much as possible. There's a reason why the Bible says to wait until after marriage. 
Let's talk biology. Let's talk science. There's a hormone called oxytocin, also known as the love hormone, which is released into the body during intercourse and other forms of intimacy. It is linked to positive social functioning and is associated with bonding, trust, and loyalty. That's why it's possible to feel a sense of attachment after having sex with someone you weren't really that interested in. Make sense? It It should. Let's normalize relationships not being revolved around sex. Let's learn to not have sex with everyone you talk to. Let's learn to be friends. This can be a great help in keeping your heart whole and emotions in check as well. See, having multiple men or women to talk to and associate with keeps you from getting overly attached to one person prematurely. Keeps you from getting too overly attached and invested in one person prematurely. See, dating takes time. If done correctly, it would be a good time. You got to remember, the goal is longevity and a successful marriage, if that is the goal, I may say. If that is the goal. Longevity and a successful marriage. That means we must do our due diligence to ensure we are ready and pick the best candidate possible. But I do know one thing, no. Bitches, they come, they go. Saturday through Sunday, Monday. Monday through Sunday, yo. Maybe I love you one day. Maybe we'll someday grow. Till then, just sit your drunk ass on that fucking runway, ho. I can't be your Superman. Can't be your Superman. Can't be your Superman. Can't be your Superman. People come and they go. Enter our life for a moment. And just as moments go, so do they. But why? What for? Why can't we just meet someone and be cool forever? Why the constant change-ups? There's a pretty famous poem out there written by an anonymous author who explains that different people come into our lives to serve different purposes. You know about coincidences, right? How there are none. Well, many of us meet people and aren't aware of why they have arrived or left. And it could take us a while to realize this at times. The poem sheds light on the fact that even negative experiences can have positive influences in our lives if we just look at them in a different way. Basically, Where and are they here for a reason, a season, or a lifetime? Check it out. People come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. When you figure out which one it is, you will know what to do for each person. When someone is in your life for a reason, it is usually to meet a need you have expressed. They have come to assist you through a difficulty, to provide you with guidance and support, to aid you physically, emotionally, or spiritually. They may seem like a godsend, and they are. They are there for the reason you need them to be. Then, without any wrongdoing on your part or adding inconvenient time, This person will say or do something to bring the relationship to an end. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they walk away. Sometimes they act up and force you to take a stand. What we must realize is that our need has been met. Our desire fulfilled. Their work is done. The prayer you send up has been met, answered. And now it is time to move on. Some people come into your life for a season because your turn has come to share, grow, or learn. They bring you an experience of peace or make you laugh. They may teach you something you have never done. They usually give you an unbelievable amount of joy. Believe it. 
It is real. But only for a season. Lifetime relationships teach you lifetime lessons. Things you must build upon in order to have a solid emotional foundation. Your job is to accept the lesson, love the person, and put what you have learned to use in all other relationships and areas of your life. It is said that love is blind, but friendship is clairvoyant. Unknown. I imagine, the, <clears throat> I imagine the majority of you are able to effectively categorize some people in their respective classes. We all can look back over our past relationships and friendships to see what lessons we learned from our interactions with them. What if we could do that before the trouble came? What if we could tell when someone's time in our life was coming to an end, was coming to a close? Well, we can. How many red flags have we all ignored? How many times have we given one person the benefit of the doubt? How much has the game been charged in our expense? The same way in which we just know somebody was the one, we just know when they're not. What is it that makes us ignore all the signs that we're given and oftentimes ask for? Is it the sex, comfortability, fear of starting over and being alone, the misguided assumption that you can change them, the expectation that they, indue, that they indeed will change? Somebody once told me that God gives everyone ample time and opportunity to peep game and move around before shit gets ugly. See. When something has reached its use, it no longer becomes useful. Sometimes it hurts more to hold on than to let go. A good eight to nine times out of ten, the heartbreak that we suffer could have been avoided or reduced in degree at the least. Look, if God says something has reached its time limit, no matter how hard you try or pray, you cannot add more time to it. All the extra time spent on it is adding to the eventual pain that there will be when God has to force you to leave it alone. Shit can and will get really ugly. The girl you've been dating for the last three years on and off who always end up fucking some new dude during y'all breaks I have a son now, but you're doubtful because his ears ain't pointing like yours. The DNA test came in and you are not the father. That dude you've been fucking raw for the last three months that got all these people coming to you as a woman, you ignored him just because you thought they were some bitter hating bitches, huh? Well, the doctor's office just called. You have chlamydia. You know, I always found it funny how comedians get so much backlash and scrutiny for some of the shit that they say. Because as far as I know, God has always had the darkest and sickest sense of humor. If nobody has said it before, let me be the first. Discipline and obedience can save lives. Listen to that voice in your head reasons, seasons, and lifetimes. Put everyone in their proper position and understand that they can be moved around as well. No one to let go. All good, chubs to look around, find one to see my type. Damn, my dog, and he know what I like. He done found me plenty in my life. Problem is, I meet a girl tonight. Then I go and treat her too nice. Galleria credit card swipes. I don't even know if she a wife. But I do know one thing, no Women, they come, they go Saturday through Sunday, Monday Monday through Sunday, yo Maybe I'll love you one day Maybe we'll someday grow Till then I sit my drunk ass on that runway On this one way
chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is also the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let their wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Who comes first in a man's life? His mother, grandmother, wife, children, baby mama? What about in a woman's life? Her father? grandfather, husband, children, baby daddy? Before I go into all that, can we all agree on the fact that both lists should be synonymous regarding each individual couple? Example, two single parents get married. The woman believes her kids come first before anything or anyone. Is she wrong? No, not at all. However, Regarding mutuality and for the sake of a good relationship, don't we think it's not only fair, but crucial that the man believes his kids come first before anything or anyone as well? I mean, we here, baby. Let's talk about it. Another question. Can we agree that until both parties believe that each other should be the most important factor in their lives, that some disagreements and issues between the family will arise? Think about it like this. We both got kids. I believe mine are the most important thing in my life. How do you think that ideology will factor into how I treat you or your kids? What kind of relationship will our kids consequently have? Pound on that for yourself. Now, for what I know y'all been waiting on, the mama's boys and the daddy's girls. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Twitter and Facebook has been going crazy over this. First and foremost, a lot of you need to go on and jump off that damn porch. Spread them wings of yours and leave the motherfucking nest. Also, some of you need to realize that your parents are bitter as hell and be on some bullshit. Don't matter who you are, parent, child, regardless. Right is right, wrong is wrong. You have an you have a duty as a child to steer your parents in the right direction as they do you being your parents. We have the privilege as kids to watch our parents finish growing up. You live and you learn all the way up until you die. Therefore, don't take their bullshit to heart. Nobody's perfect. You have things to teach them. Trust. Alright. So now I got that out of the way. Niggas. Niggas. I need y'all to hear me. 
understand me. I'm not speaking in no codes. I'm not speaking in no foreign language. Hear me. Your wife, the woman you married, your wife comes before your mother. Your wife comes before your mother. Ladies, your husband, the man you married, your husband comes before your father. Your husband comes before your father. You know what's baffling about this whole conversation? Nobody in it is actually married. Yeah. Fuck the head up right. Let's just let's just let that like really sink in and marinate for a bit. You know what's really baffling about this whole who comes first debate. Pretty much everybody with an opinion ain't married, but never married, never engaged, never been engaged, let alone even in a relationship. It's just a whole bunch of single folk running off at the mouth and saying basically anything. Welcome to 2020. My mama will always be my mama. Well, she's here and after she's gone, long after she's gone, nobody can take her place because nobody else carried me for nine months and I ain't come out of nobody else's vagina but hers. Her position is solidified and was locked in the moment I was conceived. I would always be here for my mother, no matter what. I would always be here for the, be there for her. However, she and I both know that one, I am her son, not her husband or a substitute until she finds one. Two, I am not her motherfucking husband. And three, she raised me well enough that we both know when I find my wife, I will be ready and able to give her my all and a life much better than the one my father left my mother. I guess that's the thing. It's all just a mindset. My moms raised me to break generational curses, not further them alone. What is a father to a daughter, a mother to a son, a father to a son and a mother to a daughter? I was on Twitter just the other night, tweeting away, talking about racism, reparations, and other things. Then in a bit of a rage, I found myself tweet the question, what the fuck is equality? At the time, I was looking at it as fuck equality. We way past just wanting to be seen as equals. In my present mindset, it seems like an outdated and naive term, a failed idea. But anyways, a friend of mine had replied to me. Shout out to her, Ryan. Y'all can follow her on Twitter at A-O-R-Y-A-Y-O-O-R-Y. But anyway, she replied to me and she said, and I quote, It's something that shouldn't even be discussed or questioned. It should literally be natural. Now, I agree with her, of course. But it wasn't until after I started writing for this podcast that I realized how profound what she said actually was. I know y'all heard the phrase, what's understood need not be explained. What's understood don't need to be explained. 
but it relates here perfectly. There are things in life that should just come as instinct. Things that you don't learn in books, seminars, and online classes, but just pure experience. Well, now, you got to take into account that everybody's experience is different. What do we have to go through and survive to make us think however we do? What makes a man think that his wife comes second to anybody? What makes a woman think that her kids come before anybody? Especially when neither has ever been married. Is it because every woman that man dealt with left him with a broken heart, made him feel like less of a man, while his moms had his back and lifted him up whenever he was down? Is it because her baby father left her to take care of and raise her kids on her own? That every dude that dealt with her afterwards only wanted her, but not the kids she also came with? Perspective, my people. Understanding. It makes the world go a lot smoother. Can you see how each of these people think the way that they do? You can. Righteous. We're making progress. You know, what's also ironic about people putting their parents before their spouse? You know what's also ironic about that? When looking for potential mates, life partners, we're oftentimes subconsciously looking for someone just like our mother or father. Whether it's a man, or I mean, whether it's a man, yeah, whether it's a man looking for a smart, strong woman who won't give up on him like his mom's, or a woman looking for a man to give her more attention than her dad. Our preferences usually stem from our childhood relationships with our parents. You can take that to the bank. Until we deal with our past and change our outlooks on marriage and relationships, we'll continue to have this conversation. Continue to make the wrong choices in life and love. Oh, yeah. Before I even forget, God should always come first in everybody's life. So you want to know who comes first in a man's life or in a woman's life? It need to be God. God, spouse, children, family. Can I take you out of church real quick? Now, no. I'm not going to ask for no tithes and offerings. But I am going to ask for just a little bit more of y'all time. Because, you see, the things that we're about to talk about now, the things that I'm about to discuss with you guys right now, is the whole main purpose of this week's episode. To me. Love is the only real thing about our current existence. It can be passed down through lifetimes and felt long after death. It is timeless, which is why I hate the way we view love and treat love. And that's a result of past relationships and the influences of the world in that regard. But nonetheless, I honestly feel like who we choose as lovers and life partners ultimately play the biggest role in the future of that relationship. Did you choose the right person? That's what it boils down to. Did you choose the best option, the best person for you to grow, to heal, to learn, to love? 
for the rest of your life. I want us all to love again. I want us to love love again. To be free and strong enough to love again. Ladies, this segment is primarily for you. However, fellas, there is much to learn and think about as well. So please, pay attention. At the end of the day, we all have to do better. Men especially, because just based off the specific nature of our role and purpose as men, biblically, biologically, biblically, what you're about to hear is a clip from a master sermon by Dr. Miles Monroe. I don't know if that name sounds familiar to y'all. But it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful excerpt about what, what all a man needs before he is ready and worthy of a woman. And I need y'all to hear that because it's important. He's speaking on what all a man needs before he is ready and worthy of a woman to properly love and lead a woman. So listen with your eyes and ears. Listen with your third eye. Listen with your ears. Listen with your heart. Listen with an open mind. Afterwards, I'll say a few remarks and thoughts about the matter myself. And hopefully, hopefully, we can go ahead and wrap this up and get you beautiful people on about your day. So, without further ado, brothers and sisters, Dr. Miles Monroe. When you read the first marriage in history, it's found in the constitution of our country. Section Genesis, subsection 2, Article 24. Here's what it says. First of all, it says, God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. The word Eden is a complicated word in Hebrew. The concept in Aramaic and Hebrew, very complicated. It's not referring to like a garden with trees, even though I'm sure they were probably in that environment. It's referring to order. The word Eden, and my book out there will explain this book on praise and worship. I think they might have it in the bookstores here. Very important. The word Eden means spot. It means delightful spot. It means open door. It's a complicated word. It's a spot on the earth where, for the moment, God has an open door from heaven on earth. That's where God put the man in his presence. So that's why we can't find Eden today. Eden is not a place. It's an environment. No archaeologist can find Eden. Why? It's an atmosphere. It's the presence of God. When man sinned, the Bible says God drove man from the garden of the atmosphere. Atmosphere went back up to heaven. But when God made the first male, he put him in this presence. The first thing God gave the man was his presence. Eden. So the first thing a man needs is not a woman. Are you listening to me, brothers? The most important thing a man needs, a male needs, is the presence of God. And a woman should meet you in the presence of God. Some women amaze me. They leave the presence of God, go in the bush to find a brother, and then try to drag him back to the presence. Come on, you're going to come, brother. Oh, yes, you will. 
Eve meant Adam in Eden. And then the next thing God told the male, one simple word. Genesis 2 verse 15. Work. Can I say it again? Work. God gave man work before woman. Or, hey, boy, say work before woman. That means a man needs a job before he gets a woman. God's priorities are very clear. Hmm? The third thing God told the man, Genesis 2.15, he says cultivate. Cultivate means to bring out the best in everything around you. To maximize the potential of everything around you to make everything fruitful he only said that to the male that's why God would never give a male a finished woman oh boy that went over your head the male was created by God to create what he wants the woman you're looking for brother doesn't exist She's in your head. Your job is to take the raw material you married and cultivate it into the woman in your head. Oh, too much for you. So you've been married for 20 years and you still don't like the product you get. That's your fault. Jesus Christ is a real man. He's a real man. A real man. Jesus Christ has a wife, a woman, beautiful woman. Her name is Ecclesia. Yeah, yeah. He said about his wife, he says, husband, love your wife like I love my wife. Now you can tell us how to do it. He says, you wash her with the word. Then you remove every spot, every wrinkle, every blemish, and present her to yourself. Whoa. That's mine. I did that. See that? That's my baby. I produced that. Look at her. Look at her. Present it to yourself, he said. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you see your husband, just keep telling him, cultivate me, baby. Cultivate me, baby. Cultivate me, baby. If your wife putting on a little bit of weight and you don't like the fact she's putting on weight, don't criticize her. Wake her up, six o'clock. Come, baby. Let's go jogging. Cultivate you. Cultivate you. Come on, baby. Woo, come on, baby. Come on. Come on, baby. You don't like her dress? Take her down to Fifth Avenue. And you pay for it. Come on, ladies. Help now, ladies. Help now, ladies. Help now, ladies. Help now, ladies. Cultivate me, baby. She can't speak good English. Send her to school and pay for the <laughs> tuition. The fourth thing God told the man. He says, guard the garden. The male is supposed to be the protector of everything under his care. That's why God gave you a stronger bone frame, a bigger muscle mass. Not to abuse the woman, but to protect the woman. The last thing God gave the man was his word. God says, Adam, do not touch the tree. God never told the woman about the tree. Never. Which means the male was the only one who got the word of God. His job was to teach his wife the word of God. You know what's wrong in Texas? The woman knows more word than the man. Nothing can frustrate a woman faster than this statement. A woman will always ask a man, so what do you think? And that dummy would answer, what do you think? Don't do that, brother, don't do that. She's looking for knowledge and direction. Look straight at me, look straight at me, brother. Don't look at her, look straight at me. You know, you're, 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 hey, you're my man, my brother. 
stay here. Stay with me. Yeah. You and I can be okay, man. We can be all right. Stay with me. Stay with me. Now watch this. That was the last command God gave the man. Don't touch the tree. That's verse 15 and 16 and 17. Then in verse 18, God said, it's not good for this man to be alone. Now, don't just read the statement fast. Slow down. It's not good for this man to be alone. What man? The man who is in his presence, working, can cultivate you, can protect you, and teach you the word. Got it, Pastor? So, here's the problem. If you meet a man who don't like his presence, ain't working, can't cultivate you and improve you, can't protect you, and do know God's word, it is good for that man to be. A man who is in his presence. A man who walks with the Lord and talks with the Lord daily. A man who is working or has a steady flow of income, financially stable. A man who can cultivate you, mold you, and uplift you. A man who can provide for you and also protect you. A man who can teach you the word of God, educate you in things that you don't know, and lead you as a man should. These are all characteristics of a man who is worth marrying. A man who is worthy of marriage, worthy of a Proverbs 31 type woman. Men, if you don't have all of these traits, you should be focusing on getting them. Ladies, if he doesn't have all of these traits before y'all start dating, he won't afterwards. That ain't the man for you. I hope y'all peep that. You know I'm going to say it again, though. I got to make sure y'all get it. If he doesn't have all of those traits before y'all start dating, before y'all start dating, he won't afterwards. That ain't the man for you. You cannot change him. I don't care if he's 18, 37, or 54. A man that's ready is a man that's ready. You either got it or you don't. Don't matter what generation you was born in, where you were born, how old you are, what year you were born in. None of that shit matters. You either got it or you don't. You either a man in its truest and purest form, or you're not. Imagine if women only dated or associated with men of this caliber. I mean, pussy is power. Pussy won the world. Just imagine if women all together said, fuck all the bullshit, all you dumbass, bum-ass, misogynistic, narcissistic, timid, weak, illiterate, bad hygiene, no job, no car, still living with his mama-ass niggas, ain't getting no more play. Imagine if women said that shit, said, fuck all you niggas like that. That would force like 60 to 75% of the male population to immediately get on their shit. And you know what? they'd be well within their rights to do that. Call it the 2020 pussy strike. 
the no more fuck niggas movement. I'd support that. Just take a few seconds to imagine that kind of world. A world where social status and celebrity status didn't matter. Only the status of one's mind, body, and soul. The status of one's heart. Damn. What kind of conscious world would arise from just women everywhere saying enough is enough? Oh shit, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, like. This shit ludicrous if you ask me. You got niggas out here who can't do shit for nobody, let alone even themselves. Who are trying to tell women how to act, what to do, what to wear, and all kind of other shit. The same niggas who can't even be bothered to open the door for the lady right behind them. Pump his girl gas. And don't even know how to change a tire. You niggas is really pathetic. And these hoes that we love to talk about not saving really be saving us. Yeah, let that go ahead and go through one ear and out the other. Y'all don't want to hear that shit. See... Now, now, I really just want to slap a shit out you niggas because I done got mad talking about this. Now, you niggas really are pathetic as fuck, and it's, it's disrespectful. And it's, it's not just disrespectful to women, but it's disrespectful to the men like me who are out here really trying to be, some, be somebody and, and love and cherish our black women. Y'all making us look bad. And that shit can't fly. Like my mans. Who the fuck do you think you are? The fact that black women can still find it in their heart to love and support black men despite all that we do, don't do, and put them through is a major, major, major testament to their strength. And don't you dare say shit about what women do, don't do. Or, I'm just call you a hoe, bitch. Because, you know, see, you, you see, niggas love putting the blame and fault on somebody else. Anytime somebody tell you about yourself, y'all motherfuckers want to play the goddamn victim. Probably why y'all love y'all mama so damn much. Say she come first. See, once a real grown woman approach you and make you have to deal with your motherfucking shit, nah, you can't take that. You don't know how to act. She too much. She too bossy. Too needy. Nah, nigga. She just expect you to be the man or king you claim to be. And then y'all got the motherfucking nerve to say y'all want a polygamous relationship. Oh my God. We're going to talk about that next week. You see, you can't be a bigger fool in the world than a black man. Fellas, it's so much more to us than what we've been putting out. Think about the children. Think about the children. Think about the children and our future. Don't be selfish. Think about the children. Think about the children. Think about our futures. Would you want your daughter to date a man that's just like you? If you had a son, would he be a blessing to the world if he was just like you? If the answer to both of those questions are no, my nigga, you better fucking look in the mirror and do some self-reflection. Go meditate. Fix your damn self. If we treat our women better, we'll treat ourselves better. If we treat ourselves better, we'll treat our women better. This has been 1619 Radio, and I'm your host, Robert McDonald Jr. Ladies, don't think for a second that you get out safe and easy today. I'd rather a woman gun y'all ass. I'm going to make sure I find the right one to do so. Proverbs 31, baby. You feel me? Anyways, I do sincerely hope that y'all enjoyed the show. And if not, shit, it don't even matter so long as you learn something. That being said, peace, love, and prosperity to all of my beautiful people. And remember, 400 years are over.
Don't fight for a brighter tomorrow. Instead, fight for a brighter day. If you like what you hear and wish to reach out in any way, you can follow me on Twitter at IKingEarl, Instagram at IAmKingEarl, and you can add me at Facebook at my name, Robert McDonald Jr. Make sure you also like the page 1619 Radio on Facebook as well. I like dialogue. Let's talk. Tell me Happy New Year on August 6th. Before I forget, it's a young nigga birthday. A young king's birthday. <laughs> and it's also Jamaican Independence Day. So yeah, let's bless up. Shout out to that as well. You can catch me next week for another episode of 1619 Radio. You know, we're going to get deep again. Tuesday, 6 p.m. Tuesday, 6 p.m. Thanks for listening. Bye.